This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is paid commercial programming. The views and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. Yeah, it's time to hop on the crazy train. <laughs> Welcome to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Interstate Heating. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors, only on Sports Radio 1057 FM, The Fan. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train with the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors. Well, welcome to the second hour, folks. We come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. on two stations, Sports Radio 1250 on the AM dial and 105.7 FM, the fan on the FM dial. Dan Bush, Tom Neubauer uh, are your hosts, and uh, Greg Janik is our ex- illustrious, that's it, illustrious producer. Always gets everything right. And if you want to get in touch with us, 799-1250 is the phone number, or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. And Danny, you got an email. What have I got? It's from Greg, uh, the guy from the traditional archery place. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And he said, Dan mentioned that he would like to replace his bare bow. It might be repairable. He may, may, do you still have it? No. No. Okay, never mind. Thanks anyway, Greg. But he says you might be able to find one at one of our shoots because there's a lot of vendors who come out and attend them. And you can contact one of the vendors, uh, the highly recommended, it's called the Footed Shaft. The Footed Shaft. And uh, so they... The old McFooted McShaft. Yeah, McFooted McShaft. And so. Okay. Well, thanks, Greg. Yeah, I probably, you know, I've thought about trying to pick. Now, they do sell recurves again, but I don't like, they got like, uh, it's like they're kind of like screwed. Um, if you look where the limbs come down. Yeah, the to, limbs are screwed see, into the. What yeah, I don't like that. I like again, the one like piece, the look of the graceful yeah, the one bear piece. or Ben Pearson yeah. bow back yeah, the one in, piece. in the day. Well, I think what the reason they're doing that is because they they test those limbs so that they have the right pull the weight, right balance, the right, harmonics. Well, it's the right pull weight because you can get Ooh. one limb that's a little stiffer and one limb that's a little less stiff. So you might have one pulling at ten pounds on one side and five on the other, and that's going to put it off. They want to get those about as evenly matched as possible. Hey, Fred Bear made them just fine years ago. Yeah, he, didn't he cut need down no. that asp- aspen old Fred tree Bear or bows were just fine what, as far as there. Uh, at least I what, think so. You know what I would like to shoot sometime that I would try. Yeah, hmm. well, you know, what you know what you, like you know shoot, what Tom? stopped my archery shooting. Way back when, you know what stopped it? You wrecked your rotator cuff. Yeah, you remember that? Yep. No, I just. Knew oh it. yeah. Every guy I, I know wrecked out. their rotator and, cuff, and it's like, oh man. I hung around with a bunch okay. of muscle heads, you know. Anyway, so you know, big gym rats, we all wrecked everything. 
Anyway, uh, but I wouldn't mind trying those those distant longbows and trying to hit a target 100 yards away or My uh, cousin Stephen, uh, about 20 years ago, got into reading about traditional archery, Grego mm-hmm. like this, and he read all the books. And he went out and he actually got the Indian way of make and made his own longbows. Oh, he did. And he was shooting pretty fast. There were guys at the range up in Duluth that were trying to buy him off of him. Really? Uh, he was approaching some pretty good speeds and he had to, he studied it. You had to get the right cut of wood. I mm-hmm. think maple. I want to say he got maple, but could be wrong. And then for the, uh, um, what did he do for the, uh, there for one part he had to, oh, then he made his own buckskin clothing as well. The way oh, yeah. the Indians did. Yeah. And he tanned it using a method where you had to uh, take the brains from a deer. It was a brain tanning method. Oh. And he took them <laughs> and he blended them in his blender. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I asked him later, I said, that's not the same blender you make your protein <laughs> shakes. smoothies he goes, in. oh, yeah. He blend, and, yeah, so he, he made it. And then he took northern pike skins and put them on really? the bow itself for the camel. Yeah, pretty interesting, but boy, mm. what a process. Wow, I'll say. Yeah. Wow. So it, but I just think that's cool. All these guys can shoot 100, 200 yards or whatever it is. They shoot a long distance and they put those targets facing the sky almost right. at a little bit of an angle. And you got to try to hit those things from a couple hundred yards. Away. I, that's pretty cool. With the, with the recurve, I had nothing but mishaps. I, I never hunted that much avidly with it, but I'd get fired up and try and set up a stand in a, fall and normally see nothing but one time i went with some guys in 1981 uh, was working construction with these guys and uh we drove up they had some place mid-state where there were so many deer they actually had a cannon out in the field that would fire to scare them away oh yeah okay and there, you could hunt there there was public hunting and let me tell you i remember walking in the dark opening day of season through these cornfields and and standing corn and deer you could hear them crashing off everywhere <laughs> So I got into, I got, I, I, oh, what a, I got in there and uh, in the dark, I had my bow and, you know, you got the string on it and, mm-hmm. and I had it, grabbed an arrow and went to knock an arrow. And in the dark, I hit the string with the razor, with the bare razor <gasps> oh. and I broke the string. Oh no. And now I'm set, standing on the ground, ready to hunt for the morning. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll just hang out Did here. Did you throw the arrows like a spear then? So I had to wait till everybody's done. <laughs> Well, then I had an alien movement, so I, you know, I went about 20 <laughs> oh, yards good to know. and took a dump. <laughs> and sure enough, about an hour later, this herd of deer come through, right? And I'll never forget, man. There was this big doe coming along with its nose to the ground. Oh, no. And it, right? It hit, my, it hit the pile, right? Oh, <laughs> and this deer jumped straight up in the air and took off. Oh, my God. It was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Oh, they, they smells like crap. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man, yeah. I know one thing. They don't like that. <laughs> they don't like, like the human stuff. So then, right? so then, after uh, I get together with the guys again, I'm like, I need a string for the bow, and we drove all over in the middle of nowhere. There were no big big box stores back in the day. We went to some small little place, and we found a string, but it wasn't the right size string. But we figured, good enough, that'll work. So sure enough, that night, I had a, I had a deer. I had a little dummy come. Must have been six yards away, Tom. It's this tiny little deer. Come walking right mm-hmm, by me. Mm-hmm. So it's a chip shot, right? 
So I pulled back and shot. That was the wrong string. That arrow was like, like, boom. It just went like a boomerang. It did not go straight. I shot oh, no. like it just went curving right behind the deer or something like that. It could... I just I just called it a wrap and, and walked out of the woods. Oh, I thought man. it because if you can't hit one at six yards, you're all done. Yeah. If I'd had a, I would have got a deer that day yeah. if I'd had had not you know broke my string. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That was uh, another time I had another one up in Marinette County. I had another one. I was stalking through the woods, and another little dummy came walking the other direction. So I froze, and uh, it ten yards away, broadside. I thought this is it. I got him. And uh, I shot, and Tom, it was that one little invisible twig between me and the mm-hmm, deer, mm-hmm. and the arrow hits one little thing, and boom! It's off. It's off, yeah. Well, I told you earlier, that's how I hit my first deer, bow hunting. I, If it wouldn't have been for the tree branch deflecting the arrow, I never would have hit the deer. <laughs> well, mine worked the opposite. <laughs> well, I never did find it anyway. Mine but, worked the opposite, but... Yeah, a lot of guys used to fling a lot of arrows at deer. Now, one of the craziest stories I heard, a buddy of mine, he was on a show years ago, Randy Ledvina, or Ledvina, uh, however you want to pronounce it. He never cared. He, he's the one who has that Butler Creek or Butler Rock Ranch up in Michigan. Oh, okay. He was in the yeah. studio years yeah. ago. Maybe you weren't. I don't maybe remember. Maybe that was before your time here. So, yeah, he's got a, a wild game, you know, deer, deer hunting place up there in Michigan. But uh, he lived in Green Bay at the time. But he grew up in Kiwani County, and he told me the story how a deer was running across the field by his farm years ago as a kid. And, of course, nobody would ever do this now, but as you're young, we were flinging arrows at deer whenever we got a chance. He aimed up in the sky and launched one, just launched it, like mm-hmm. you were talking, like yeah. a rainbow. And the arrow went straight up and came straight down and hit this deer right in the head. And down it went. <laughs> oh, God. A doe. He got it. Wow. It was like a miracle one in a million yeah, shot. Exactly. Yeah. That is one in a million. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wow. he wasn't the type that would BS, so I, I believed him. He told me the story. In fact, he went up to uh, Alaska two or three times and shot grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. And I had an opportunity in 1992. He called me up. He says, Bush, he says, some guys put $1,200 down on a hunt. They can't go. They can apply it for you. It would have cost me about five grand to go up and and get a mm-hmm. get a grizzly. I think it's more of the coastal ones. It's all yeah, okay. they're not like along the streams, you know, for the uh, coastal brown bears. Um, so 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 it's more the smaller interior grizzlies. But he had uh, he had two that he'd shot and got full mounts. And now wow. I wish, looking back on it, I wish I'd taken advantage of that because you're not going to get a hunt for anything less than I don't know. 16, 17,000 oh, now. It's expensive now. And to get them mounted is expensive. Well, listen, we're going to we're gonna take a break. Uh, we will get to the walleye stuff because we're going to talk about, like, what, you know, colors of jigs to use for walleyes, to use live bait, not to use live bait, to use stinger hooks, not to use stinger hooks, what size stinger hooks, what color stinger hooks, all that kind of good stuff. Everything where... you wanted to know about stinger hooks but we're afraid to yeah. ask. But when we come back after this break, we're going to tell you if there was a winner in the Larry Smith I'll Tell You What contest. Because if you do get it right, you are going to win a one-year subscription to the Badger Sportsman magazine free of charge. And uh, so we need a contestant to play the Larry Smith I'll Tell You What (laughs) contest. We'll be right back with more.
welcome back to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan, Tom, Greg. Thanks for listening. Okay, yeah, the last week, Danny. Okay. Oh, we got a caller now who wants to play. I'll tell you That's what. Wrong Larry number. Smith show. Uh, last week, we had a winner. The under over was uh, uh, eight and a half. The contestant picked the over, and he won. Uh, it, uh, Larry a Smith subscription said it. to Badger Sportsman Magazine. Is a great, yep. He great got a one year subscription, and uh, he guessed the over, and Larry Smith said it 12 times. So, uh, you know what, though? I. I I think I'm going to keep the under over the same, eight and a half. I think I'm going to keep it the same. Who do we have? Who's going to play this week? Oh, I put it in my pocket. I'm sorry. We have Larry on the line. <laughs> okay. Hey, Larry, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Do you, uh, this isn't Larry Smith, is it? It is not. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Larry, uh, do you watch the Larry Smith Outdoor Show? I do. All right. So you know he says, I'll tell you what, a couple of times during the show, he right? Loves that phrase. Yeah, so I'm going to keep the under over at eight and a half. So do you think Larry Smith is going to say, I'll tell you what, nine or more times or eight or less? I'm going to go with the over, gentlemen. You're going to go with the over as well, huh? Tom's going to have to start moving that line higher, Larry. Over. It's a great magazine, so I win mine winning. Hey, get it. Get yeah, it, man. exactly. It's yeah. Excellent. It's probably exactly. one of the last decent ones left. A lot of them are just too watered down, infomercial, and same old stuff over and over again. It is a good magazine. All right. Well, we'll be counting tomorrow to find out. Sounds good. Thanks for <laughs> okay. listening. Thanks, Larry. Bye yep. now. Have a good day, gentlemen. Yep. So, so Larry's taking the over. That'll be funny. Now. Getting to walleyes, Danny. Yes, get to this walleyes. Is, this is, this is They're the not time catching in... any right now, Tom. It's oh, yeah. cold. No, no. All, right. I, no. All the reports I hear it no. sucks. There are guys who are catching them. They're well, not telling anybody. Well, I mean, they're, they're not sitting telling for 12 anybody. hours on no, a bank or a that. bridge or in a boat I and could, one I could 15 inch eventually. No, I could take you out right now. What? Someplace. No way. And we'd catch a, and we'd catch a limit. Well, take off, you I hoser. don't know if we'd catch a limit because the limit is like on the Fox River. We wouldn't catch a McThing. Uh, uh, the limit up there is one fish over 28 inches. So but yeah, right of course now. you can so go. So I don't know if we'd catch a limit there. Of course you can go <laughs> snag one on a fox. What? We're talking... Yeah, well, you can catch fish on the rock right now, but whether or not you get a legal one, eh, that's, that's iffy. what I'm talking yeah, about. I know, Man, I've sat iffy. and froze but, my tail off. But uh, but the thing is, is when it comes now, we might have audi- audience uh, people, uh, excuse me, listeners, <laughs> people in the audience that might you know swear by one colored jig or another. But you know, there's a lot of questions that guys have when they're going walleye fishing. They're like if they're using jigs. What color jig should I use? What size jig okay. should I use? What? Can I guess? No, I don't care. Go okay, because <laughs> I'm not a walleye jigger, right? Okay. Uh, if I had one color walleye jig, I think I'd use chartreuse. Yeah, that would be good. A good choice? Sure. You betcha. Right. And, or the chartreuse and orange. But here's the thing. When you're fishing in, in a river 20 feet down, you know, mm-hmm. you're fishing mm-hmm. the river channel 20 feet down, you ain't going to see anything anyway. That's so dark down there and no lights getting down there, especially on a cloudy day. It doesn't really matter what color it is. It, it it usually doesn't matter, but there are times color matters big time, okay? But it always doesn't. Another really good color combination that's really good is purple and blues. Purple. Don't ask me why. It's just a lot of guys use them to catch fish on them. But then, you know, you got to have the stinger hook and all that and the weight. And, a buddy anyway. of mine is a kid growing up swore by a purple beetle spin for walleyes. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. That would be good. Purple beetle spin. Yeah. 
But the thing is, is that then you got to ask yourself, do I use live bait? Do I use artificial? When I used to fish the Fox River a lot up by De Pere and Green Bay, I never used live bait. It was always artificial. But when I fish the Rock River, it's jig and minnow. Let me ask you, know? you, Tom, do those minnows, like in the Uncle Josh-type bottles, do those work, the, the preserved minnows? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I never used you them. You never used them? No, no. Oh, okay, no. I was just curious. No. Well, they, I don't think they make those anymore either. I don't you think sure? They do. I'm pretty sure they don't make those anymore. I'm not, they still I'm not do. positive. I'm not positive. Maybe somebody will call us and tell us if they Tell do us or if not. they work. Yeah, but A, I, do they I make them? Know. And B, do they work? Yeah, but I'll tell you, you know, people, you know what people don't look at this time of the year for walleyes is crankbaits. They, a lot of guys just go with the jig and minnow, jig and minnow, jig and minnow. That's all they use. They forget about the crank, crankbaits, how good crankbaits are this what, time of the year. And what you want to do is really work it slow. Well, yeah, you work it. Well, it doesn't have to. It, it ain't going to be real slow, but the wobble's going to be all heavy. It depends on how much current is in the river. Right. You know, it depends on that. Uh, but yeah, it's you know, you just want to get the right depth. That's the main thing. Get the right depth. You know, because otherwise you'll be hanging up on the bottom and losing now, five, six, seven dollar crankbaits left and right. Now, years years ago, <laughs> one of the deadliest techniques that I used to use for uh, brown trout off by the uh, nuclear plant up there by Two Rivers in Kiwani. Mm-hmm. Was uh, I would get like a Wolf River rig, have about a one ounce drop line that went about six inches down, and then I'd have a main line of about 20 inches, and I'd use a small floating rapala. Mm-hmm. And I'd, pick, I'd get the small little one inch rainbow trout pattern, <clears throat> and I would just let that out into the discharge, and you just leave yeah. it. And the weight would be just enough to get it down, mm-hmm. and that. In the discharge, you'd see that little rapplet, you know, when you was when it was close before yeah. you let it out. I'd, yeah. I'd let it out as far as I could while still maintaining mm-hmm. tension on the line, and then I'd just take like an old soccer rig and just tie a knot around my rod and leave it against the railing, mm-hmm. and I'd go sit down and and uh, read a book or and chill. Wait until the rod bent over, and, and you <laughs> all of a sudden you'd see that rod bucking and you, it'd be hooked. It was deadly. Wow. I, I would outfish the guys that were throwing alewives and mm-hmm. smelt out. They'd be, "What are you doing?" Yeah. And I'll bet you could do the same thing in a river if there's enough current where if oh, you sure. could let that go back and yeah. then you just let that let that crankbait just work just, in place. Just work right there. Yeah, just sit there wiggling. I don't see why not. You know, a lot of guys, you know, newer fishermen to new people to walleye fishing, they they, they look at these, you know, because a lot of people are using like three-eighths and half-ounce jigs on rivers with a lot of current, and they're saying... Boy, that's a lot of weight. Doesn't that walleye feel that when they suck it in? You know, I mean, uh, I mean, you would. And then think, he's hooked. Well, yeah, you would think though that yeah, that is you know that you you think that the walleye would know that 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 big old hunk of lead in its mouth, but if you got a stinger hook on or even without a stinger hook, when they suck it in, you know, it's they're they're not feeling the weight when they initially open their mouth to suck it in. But once it's in, yeah, they might spit it out. But by like you said, it's too late because now you're setting the hook. Hopefully, although. Fish can sometimes instantly spit something out. Oh yeah, in a, in a blink um, of an eye. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I, ever, I told you about the time there was about you know a, a six pound bass outside Smokies by my place when I was grilling, mm-hmm. and I tried to throw a night crawler out, and another smaller bass grabbed it, and then that bass got big one got spooky and disappeared. So I was cooking turkey burgers on the grill, and one fell on the ground an hour later, and I just casually flipped it in the water. Mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't have been, but it's biodegradable. It was just a, it's piece, a, biodegradable of it. yeah. piece of meat. Yeah. So anyway, that, <laughs> that bass sucked it in. 
Mm-hmm. It swam about 10 feet and whoo, spit it out. Didn't like the turkey burgers. Yeah, couldn't well, get I've, them on a night crawler, but I've, turkey I've actually watched them where they've taken like a plastic worm or a night crawler or something. You know, they suck it in, and when you're just about to set the hook, they spit it back out. I mean, it happens so fast. Before you can set the hook, they, they've spit it out already for I, some reason. You know? I have experienced figure eight for muskie. This was on Lake of the Woods years ago. Um, I had about a 42, 43-inch muskie come in hot, and I was working it in a figure eight. And one, one way that I've found that really works is if you got a hot one, nose on it, what I'll do on one, after I make one of the turns, I'll go down as deep as I can and fast and rip it as fast as I can, and then I'll come up with a slow, wide turn. Mm-hmm. And like a race car slowing down mm-hmm. after the straightaway and come up and come up and they'll come up like clockwork and grab it. Mm-hmm. And I watched this fish do it and I saw him grab it, felt a tick. And I did a quick little hook set back into the roof of its mouth and caught it. Um, but if I hadn't seen the fish, all I would have felt was a tick, mm-hmm. like when a walleye sometimes yeah. ticks. So later uh, that week, we had raised about a 48 incher. And I went there right before dark, mm-hmm. and here I see this fish coming in, and I'm figurating, and I made the maneuver, and as I made the wide turn, which I'd learned earlier, it I felt a tick, but it was dark, and I couldn't really see the fish mm-hmm. well. There was a tick, and I went to set, and I saw the flash, and it was gone. It had grabbed and let yep. go yep. that fast, and yep. then the next year I was on Lake of the Woods, and I had a topwater, another mid-40s came in. I went down below figure eight, and it was right before dark. And I made a wide turn, and my buddy Scott goes, you got it. And I felt the tick again, yeah, yeah. and then it was gone. And he said he actually saw the fish T-bone, grab it, mm-hmm. and let go in one instant. It just grabbed it and let, let go. Yeah, let go. And if you didn't see it, you and, wouldn't and even know that you, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't. What was that tick? So I got a quick question for you. Our audience is going to ask this. What are they going to ask? What's that got to do with walleye fishing? Well, (laughs) well, sorry. Okay, Tom. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. Well, we're talking about fish sucking in baits and and letting them them go. And grabbing them. They all can do that. You know, I I got teased quite heavily one time. Um, Who was in the boat? My son Chris and I think Sal. My friend Sal was in the boat. And we were on Oconomowoc Lake. I'm bringing in a bucktail, and here's this muskie. It wasn't that big, you know, upper 30s maybe, right behind it, right? And I'm reeling in, and you see that we could see it come up, and it opens its mouth. The bucktail, it's in its mouth. Right. I set the hook before it closed its mouth. Pulled it right out of its mouth. Pulled it right out. (laughs) It's like, how stupid could I be? a Wookiee mistake. and, And you know what? And it was funny because... All three of us could see it. It was a bright, sunny day. We, yep. we could all see it. It was like only like a foot under the surface. Yep. Wasn't that far from the boat, you know, 10 feet maybe. And, yeah, he opened his mouth. The bucktail went in. I pulled. Pulled it right out. It's like, are you kidding me? Am I that dumb? Yeah, the <laughs> adrenaline got the best of you. I think it did. That adrenaline accounts for a lot. All right, we got to go. Are, Greg, are you doing an update again? Yes. Okay, then we're going to go to Greg. <laughs> Clear your throat <laughs> yeah. there, buddy. Yeah, we're going to do uh, the update with Greg. Find out how Wisconsin, Marquette, Badgers, Packers, whoever. <laughs> See what's going on. All right, with the, like the, 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 the NCAA tournament. All right, we'll be right back. I better just shut up.
Welcome back to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan, wealthy landowner, wealthy single straight landowner from Douglas County. And mm -hmm. Tom, I'm eagerly anticipating our wealthy single straight landowner from Douglas County uh, day without wealthy single straight landowners <laughs> from Douglas County when we have our march. Yeah, I thought you had that march. No, we that... we delayed it because we couldn't get we couldn't gather enough single straight wealthy landowners from Douglas County oh. fast enough. Okay. Oh, who do you got on the line? We have Dennis Royce. Hey, oh. our Boulder Junction Connection. Hey, Dennis, how you doing? Good morning, Tom and Dan. How you guys doing? So, Good, Dennis, tell us what who who won the big contests out at the sports show last week. Well, I, I, that's one of the reasons I called. Uh, Chris and Sherry Hansen won the first place prize. Okay. Whoa. As a matter of fact, she's Chris. won a number of things. Has he? No, she. Sherry yeah. will uh, call. You know, get free stuff. We get her her name every now and then. I yeah. don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Tom, anyway, you can't remember anybody's name. You remember this? No. Okay. Well, that's because I got to mail the stuff oh, out. Okay, you're right. All right, <laughs> never mind. Anyway, and second place. Second place was Gene. W-E-L-T-Z, Welch, I think okay. that's how you pronounce it. Oh, I think he's one of our regular listeners, too. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, they both, and we had a booth was was uh, all day long, people stopping to say hello. So I said you only had six listeners. You have a lot more than that now. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, that's well good. you know, they've had kids. Now it's double. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, that's we good. A, we had a good day, and there was a lot of people that stopped by to say hello and, and uh, say they listened to your show and, Enjoy the report from the north, and they like they have places up here, so they kind of like to listen to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's cool. And, Good. And right now, we I got out of there in the snowstorm. Barely got out of there in the snowstorm on Monday, and we're back up in the north woods now, and it's snowing up here a little bit, and there's still plenty of ice for ice fishing. Uh, pan fishing now is the only thing you can do, but uh, pan fishing should start picking up. And there's 20 inches of ice on the lake. Wow, you still got a lot of fishing yet. Yeah, plenty of ice yet. And I saw cars on some of the lakes yesterday. I don't know what. Oh yeah, my god. Well, if you got 20 inches of ice and I mean, you're borrowing yeah. your buddy's car, who cares? Yeah. So yeah, that's right. But hit. you gotta watch the shore ice. That's the thing you gotta. Look oh out yeah, for. yeah. Anybody yeah. snowmobiling at all? Snowville trails are all closed. They were closed about uh, just during the sports show, uh, the start of the sports show, uh, they were all closed up here now. So the snow building is pretty much over. If you get a, a snowfall now, you almost have to be here and, and, and do a riding, but most of the trails are closed. Yeah, all right. So once the trails are closed, they're closed for good, and they don't reopen them for, for any amount of snow because they have to be reinspected. So. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not too long, away, not too far away, Dennis. Not too long now, and uh, things will be really cooking up there in the North Country. The lakes will be open not too long from now. And... Yep, that's for sure. We're looking forward to blue water, and I know you've got that down there. But uh, it's going to be a while before we get it up here. But the uh, ice conditions are still good enough to get out and do some ice fishing, and the weather gets nice enough and warm enough during the day. It's kind of pleasant out there. So. Yeah, Tom, Tom or, um, Dennis, Tom was talking about jigging spring walleyes and i know you fish the opener up there and i'm guessing you jig some of those deep weed lines do you have a preference as far as color of jig we started dan with uh, a yellow uh, a, a real bright yellow jig with a little bit of red on it and we used to use that religiously and we've gone now to a dark blue with a speckle in it, a, a, a purple, dark blue or dark purple with a speckle in it. Mm -hmm. The smallest jig that you can get away with for getting down in depth, uh, you know, depending on the wind and the weather, of course. 
but uh, and and uh, tipped with a minnow, and that is was probably the the best bait to use in the spring of the year. And we use that pretty much most of the summer, but we resort to plugging jigs during the time when things get slow. Mm-hmm. But the jig in the middle seems to be the top bait right now, and the darker colors, uh, blues and purples, and we've gone to a, a speckled type uh, reflecting on the, on the dark blues and purples, and we make them ourselves, but. Uh, uh, it seems to be the hot color right now for us, anyway. I mean, you talk to two other people; they may have another hot color. Yeah, that's true. Hey, and do you now? Now you're fishing. You know, when you're when you're fishing your walleyes on the lakes up there, and the, you know you're fishing shallower water. Uh, you know, and, and it's usually clearer water on a lot of your lakes. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, not all of them. Some of them are tea stained, but a lot of clearer water. Do you use uh, 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 the stinger hooks on the back of your jigs or not? I've tried it. Uh, they do work when the when the bite is light. You might want to try it when you when you're when you're out fishing and you get those light bites where you just miss it. Uh, the stinger hook works once in a while. Uh, I'm not. I don't use it a lot, but we I do have it in my box of a tackle, and we we put them on once in a while and experiment. And um, they do work because you you get those those light bites and you don't miss those fish. Well, you know the reason you know I never never used a stinger hook when I was fishing up north for walleyes, you know, on the clearer water lakes. But in rivers, you know, when you got that current flowing and these fish are laying down there, and you know it, they're like reaction strikes. They 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 uh, swipe at it, and that's why you know a lot of people down here on rivers will use the stinger hook because the fish sometimes always don't get the whole thing, you know. So well, and they, they're swiping the at it. Tipped, yeah. Yep, your minnow's tipped at the head, and the fish grabs at that, and that stinger hook is back towards the tail a little bit further, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to catch those fish. Yeah, and that's why I, I well, I, I generally like using the, the short shank uh, jig, jigs, you know, the hooks that have a short yep. shank on them where the hook is closer to the head, but, well, I'm glad to hear you like the yep. purples and blues, you know. Yeah, because Tom had just said. You know, Tom's one of the smartest guys oh, yeah. I know. He's oh, a genius, yeah. eh? Yeah, I'm a genius. Yeah. But anyway. Dutch uh, Jigs, uh, who has the, the, the jig business, they have a bright uh, yellow, and I say yellow, it's uh, chartreuse. Chartreuse, a yellow chartreuse, yeah. which is yellow different chartreuse. than the green chartreuse. Because yes, <laughs> one's yellow and one's green. That's, that's right. right. Yeah, that's figured right. figured that out. Well, it's green for St. Patrick's. A roll today. Yeah, you're right. All right, well, Dennis, we got to get going. We'll talk to you later. Yep, and, and I'm glad everything went down. We had a great time with the show and, and your guest and your and your listeners. So we'll, we'll keep doing it. All right. All right. Thanks, Congratulations Dennis. to them. Have a good weekend. We'll uh, talk to you later. Right. Okay, bye now. Right. Uh, well, okay, cool. we got to go to one last break. And when you come back, you're going to tell us about uh, something about, you got a question about turkey. I got a turkey, question. I need anybody hunting. who turkey hunts, I need you to listen because I got a question. I want you to. You might want to call in. So. Yeah, and call Danny and give him an answer to I his need tur- turkey question. So we'll be right back. Help! I need help. With more of the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors presented by Interstate Heating. It's the final countdown. The final countdown. Welcome back to the final segment of the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors from the Interstate Heating Studios. And uh, here's my here's my question, Tom. Maybe somebody will know. Um, 
I'm going to go and try and get a spring turkey tag. Now, they go on sale the 20th and 21st. Mm-hmm. So what's today? Today's the 18th? 18th. Ooh, Monday and Tuesday. So for our yeah. listeners, don't forget, there's, you can go to online and you can check and see where, you know, extra tags and for what weeks. Um, but uh, anyway, if I, if I go turkey hunting, what, what kind of choke? You know, I got that 870 that I got. The 870 Express is the three choke tubes. And I, got, I have a full choke. But now I see all these turkey choke tubes. I was at Sporting Goods Store and they got... All kinds and different models and different chokes for turkeys. Turkey, yeah, really? yeah. I... And I'm wondering, will my regular full choke is that enough constriction to make a long shot on a gobbler, uh, or do I have to get one of those ultra tight turkey chokes? I don't know. And part I... of me thinks, you know what? And then loads. They make some really good. Good. Now my brother swears by the which is it called? He's got one of the deluxe expensive ones, and he said it makes a difference for, so for patterning. I know Winchester has the long beard. So if anybody has any suggestions, give me a call, seven nine nine twelve fifty, because I'm trying to determine whether I should buy the choke or not. See, I've all. I mean, I've never hunted turkeys, but I have always heard, you know, by people who do turkey hunt that the full choke is the way to go. Yeah, but now you know, they make like these turkey chokes are like extra, extra full chokes, and, more constriction. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I think you would want a, a little bit of a, I think you'd want that full choke pattern though, because, well, then again, if it's constricted, it's at 30 yards, maybe your only pattern is, uh, you know, foot and a half or two feet, whereas otherwise it might be three feet. I don't know. Well, I guess you got to try you get and, more pellets. Yeah, you got to get it. as many pellets in there. In and that I get, circle, yeah. In their head, and I guess because, you know, turkey brains are notoriously small and is, are their nervous spinal system. So you got to hit them in the nervous system, I guess, mm-hmm. and yeah. you got to blast them with, you know, some pellets. So I don't know. I bought some basic turkey loads. I think I bought some Remington Nitro three-inch turkey loads in number six, but then I'm thinking, well, maybe I need something different. I just bought some for the heck of it, small mm-hmm. box. But I'm thinking, do I get those big expensive? And I suppose it's all about, if you're going to get a close shot, it probably doesn't matter a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, close shot, yeah. Now but I, if you're poking out there 40 yards. Yeah, if you're going to poke out there, then, mm-hmm. uh, no, I, yeah. I think I talked to Al Shook, and he said he just uses, he doesn't use any special big, you know, some guys get big turkey guns, which are, just for turkeys, yeah, and they got yeah. an extra long the three barrel. Three-inch magnums, yeah. Three and a half inch. From what I read on studies, yeah. they did some studies where they compared to three and three and a half inch magnums, and it really doesn't make any difference inside of 40 yards, but from 40, more at a, if you're going to shoot one at 50, 60 yards, that's when you'd put more pellets I, in there, I guess. It's more for a long range if you're going to take a long range poke at a bird. Well, and and then that I would never recommend. I mean, what I learned years ago, one of the differences, I mean, yes, your magnums have a uh, uh, big more powder in them, you know. But I used I think to, it's just a bigger shot but charge. It's a you got bigger, more 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 shot in it. Yeah. yeah. And and it's not so much you don't get that much more diff, distance, but what you get is a lot more BBs out there, which gives you a much better chance of hitting whatever you're shooting at. I used to have a ten gauge years ago. Okay. And uh, you didn't want to carry that around pheasant hunting. I'll tell you that. What mod, What kind of? It was a Mercury made in Spain. With wow. a, it was really cool. It had an engraved nickel receiver and all that. It was really nice. I should have never. Sounds expensive. Got... How'd you get it? 
<laughs> it's a long story. Oh, but, really? But I and you I bartered wish, it I from wish, a friend. No, no. no? Okay. I wish I would have never sold it. Uh, but I'll tell you, it, it was one of those things. It was, it was mainly for duck and goose hunting. Because, a double. Uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was okay. a double barrel side by side. But the thing is, is that you wouldn't want to carry it around for pheasant hunt. It was just too darn heavy. All right. But I I learned that. And a lot of guys thought that if you got a 10-gauge, that it, you could shoot a, a, a pheasant at 100 yards or something. No, no, no. It just had more BBs in it. I mean, yes, you could you could poke out there a little bit further than a 12-gauge, maybe another 5, five right. yards or maybe 10 yards. Right. But aside from that, no. A lot of guys were using 10-gauges trying to blast a Geese, you've seen guys trying to shoot geese that are so far away. They call it sky busting. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, no. You That's just not good. You don't want to no. wound the geese. Um, yeah. yeah from what did I've... you ever go up to a wounded geese? Oh, they're nasty. Oh, I know. Oh, they're going to try to bite you. <laughs> right. I, I learned my lesson. <laughs> right in the sack. Um, I, uh, I, From what I've read now, Tom, is that there's, with the advent of the uh, three and a half inch 12 gauge magnum mm -hmm. especially in some of the automatic mm -hmm. uh fire you know shotguns that there's really no need for a 10 gauge anymore that no the, there the is performance of that and you do yeah. want to get the if you're going to be shooting a lot of three and a half inch magnum you want you want an automatic because that's yeah. going to take a lot of the pounding from the recoil that's got a kick and a half yeah, yeah. so did that 10 gauge it had a that was a three and a half inch shell 10 gauge shell that was, that was a kick. Well, it's half. interesting if you look at, and some manufacturers actually rate the, um, or not manufacturers. I've read some magazines where they rated loads, and they would actually put the foot pounds of recoil. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you got a lot of those Magnum shotgun loads that are like pushing fifty foot pounds of recoil. Well, you know, I I think a Winchester four fifty eight Magnum elephant rifle is like a fifty eight, and I think a Weatherby four sixty Magnum's like. 70 or something yeah. foot pounds of recoil. But mm -hmm. some of those shotgun loads, especially if you get a light shotgun. I remember yeah, years it, ago I was shooting a slug-barreled one with yeah. some Magnum loads. Yeah, I took a couple shots for my dad just to make sure it was on. I shot like three times. I didn't want to shoot it anymore. <laughs> it wasn't fun. No. I mean, that would, you know. Now, it's interesting. It's when you're shooting at game, though, it doesn't bother you. You know, like that 870 Express I have isn't the heaviest in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was shooting those Magnum Goose loads, 3-inch, 1,500 feet per second BB uh, last year um, when I was out there doing that early goose, uh, it didn't bother me at all because you're shooting at geese. I never shot them. Yeah. That's why patterning a shotgun, I don't know if I really want to go do that, you know, because that... <laughs> you I, get tired after a while, boom, getting yeah. yourself pounded. I, I, you know, I, uh, I have my sawed-off shotgun, which is totally legal, pistol grip, sawed-off shotgun. I, I pattern. ATF, ATF. I, you know, it's perfectly legal. Tom. I'm perfectly legal. Anyway, and he hasn't paid and, his taxes. And <laughs> I pattern that thing, Danny. What's that? And I pattern that shotgun, and uh, I just put in some seven-and-a-half loads. What? Oh, it's a... Attractive young lady archery shooting. Uh, well, that's that one. Uh, is it? Uh, what's her name again? I don't She's know. on Due North Outdoors with. Um, it's not Schler. No, what? what I don't the know. Blonde. Well, anyway, I pattern that uh, eighteen and a half inch she looks barrel good in flannel with a seven and a half shot. All right, I put up a. <laughs> What, what what are you doing? It's your fault, Greg. What are you doing? You had me turning around. He had, yeah. had the bows with all the. 
contraptions on it. You weren't looking at the bow. You're I wasn't. Checking the chick out. Yeah, it's good to be a guy. Go ahead, Tom. No, sorry. that's all right. I'm, done. I'm sorry. No, I'm it's done. It's Greg's fault. I'm done. Greg? I'm done. Why did you have fault. to I'll, I'll tell everybody next get week. distracted like that? <laughs> we were talking about. Sure, sure. Show Danny a pretty girl on TV and he gets all distracted. I was trying to get Greg back on his job back there. He's got to get on his duties. Laura Shara. Yeah, I knew Shara. Laura I was going to say Shara? Slareth or something. Yeah. yeah. Laura. Uh, yeah. Oh, she's not there anymore. We're oh, too old for okay. Tom. You're never too old. No, you know, I was at never a party. I was at a party years ago with my buddy's wife. She's probably, he's probably listening now. Bally Fitness. And I was in my late 30s at that time. And there was a Christmas party and all these hot looking aerobics instructors wearing the short little mm-hmm. black dresses and walking around. And I was with buddy's wife. She goes, I used to be that, that hot little girl wearing a little black dress. And I looked at her and I said, I used to be that guy with that hot little girl in a little black dress. We both had a heavy sigh and uh, sad back. Yep. Yeah, well, what I'm are getting you old. Do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's right. Well, well, what we can do is plan for next week. We'll uh, set our uh, meeting agenda schedule to plan the show as usual. Yeah, we had everything planned well today. It worked like a, like a Swiss watch. <laughs> yeah, I say that facetiously, folks. <laughs> Big word, facetiously. Spell that. No, no, thank you. Well, that's all I got. Yeah. To all that's the listeners, all... thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors from the Interstate Heating Studios. Take care, my friends. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.